Megadad's Checkpoint is a mature rated podcast for mega grown-ups only, so if you've never declared next with a quarter, just keep on moving. Welcome to Megadad's Checkpoint, your monthly check-in on the world of gaming, and judging by the pre-show conversation, crotchety old men. What does crotchety mean? I'm not exactly sure, I, but it's I, always... Now that you mention it, crotchety. It's never been adequately of explained. I don't know. Of the, of the grump variety, I believe. Yeah, I yeah I I'm see. not... Yeah, I'll, I'll have to look it up later. I digress. I apologize. I've derailed you already. I've known must be hypecaster on the line as a co-host today. I'm so sorry. Yes. 30 seconds into the show, I've already lost control. It's no good. But that's okay. Looking at the profile or looking at the outline, I'm not going to have a lot to contribute on this show, so that's fine. We are joined, of course, by the hypecaster. How's it going, sir? Fantastic. Best day of my life. I am so excited to talk to our guest. It's going to be the best episode of Choke Point ever. I'm in. Let's go. I don't know how, pe- how many people can tell how badly you're lying there, at least about the first part, because because I, I can I can actually smell the caffeine through the microphone coming off of you. You are so jacked up, and yet you're still kind of baseline human, like because your normal level is pretty high. But even that, like you're it's uh... I put in uh, like 12, 14 hour days recently. I'm working off little sleep. Our three year olds on a rampage. It's. It's a wild one. I'm on the edge, but that's where I like to operate, Evan. I'm here for it. Let's go. Oh, I'm I'm aware. I'm aware of your edge lovingness. Lovingness? I don't know if that's a word. Uh, this episode, we've got a special guest, as we always do. But this this month's special guest is a man that you know. We talk a lot about the the digital revolution. Uh, in video games, we talk a lot about how everything's going online, and we you know I know. Antonio, you're a huge fan of the Game Passes and 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 all of those things. But before all of that, let me just sit sit by the fire, kids, and let me tell you about uh, these things called arcades. They were kind of a thing for a while, uh, and and then they went away. Uh, and now, for some reason, they're kind of coming back, which is kind of cool to to this old man. Uh, but and we've got a man that will actually let you rent his arcade. Uh, we've got the uh, great Pete Remenschneider. How's it going, sir? Excellent. How are you guys today? Crotchety, fantastic. as we've already discussed. Fantastic. So, <laughs> cro- crotchety and fantastic. It's a great Fantastically crotchety. And excited to talk to you. Um, I, I don't have an extensive, uh, extensive uh, history with being at arcades or inside arcades, except for when I was very young and... I do have some short uh, stories to swap with you, so this is going to be great. Well, excellent. Yeah, well, uh, have fun talking about the analog instead of the <laughs> instead of all the digital. So before before we get into talking about Rep My Arcade and and Two Bit, um, I'm going to get this name wrong every time, so I'm just apologizing in advance. Uh, there's something about my brain that is just terrible with names. Uh, but Two Bit Game Room, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, but first, the big question which we always ask everyone. And since we're going to be talking a lot about arcades this episode, I I want to know, have you ever, or what is the closest you have gotten to, beaten 
an arcade game. And that could be kill screen. That could be, you know, if it's a later game, maybe you, you played it to the end of the story, like, like, or, or by your estimation, you have beaten this game. Wh- what was that moment for you? I'm going to let Antonio go first. I, at one point were, uh, we did feed quarters into a couple machines when we were at a six flags, uh, great America here in the Midwest. And we, just went all for it and we couldn't stop playing and i want to say it was either the x-men arcade cabinet or the simpsons one of the two because i remember seeing levels and enemies that i just had not seen before i'm not sure how we got our hands on the uh little tokens or whatever it was to keep going but i want to say that i did end the game so we came in back in the day you could take over a machine if someone had stopped playing and they start to walk away. So we got in at least halfway through and just before the continue happened, if you put a little coin in, you could pick up where the other person had left off. So um, whereas these days you'd press start and just get another life and continue back in the day, you had to keep feeding money in for additional playtime and additional lives and I want to say it was X-Men or um, Simpsons that me and my siblings uh, kind of got into and saw credits on. It was the first time. I was shocked. Shocked, I tell you. I didn't think it was possible. And we piggybacked, like I said, so it was kind of cheating. Cheating's all right. That, that's fine. My guess is, given you said that you've seen enemies you've never seen before, I'm guessing that was the Simpsons? Because X-Men had, say, unless you just weren't a big comic it. person. But yeah, I think yeah. X-Men had everything established, but there was a lot of stuff that never showed up uh, in the cartoon. Uh, or uh, granted, I haven't watched it in about 10 years, so it's it's at least, so it's possible they brought it back. But uh, but yeah, no, Simpsons is a good, good poll. I like that. I like that. Pete, what about you? Uh, that's actually a great example of a game um uh simpsons x-men uh turtles was i would play simpsons x-men one and uh and two were another great uh you know side scroller beat em up jump kick uh jump kick punch uh types of games uh when you had said about uh kill screens boy i i never learned the 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 patterns you know uh the 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 famous one is uh, is pac-man and if you know the the patterns you can you can go on forever until apparently level two fifty six and then basically just runs out of memory and and you get the kill screen. <laughs> uh, but boy, that's <laughs> that's well beyond my level. So um, we've got uh, uh, all of our games are set up for free play. So um, much easier <laughs> to get to the end yes. of, of Simpsons, X Men, uh, Turtles at our place. Um, one that I uh, finished uh, recently is uh, probably one of my. Uh, favorite obscure games it's called the act it uh it's a it's a hand-drawn cell animation game uh that came out maybe 10 years ago it's in the style of uh dragon's lair there were former disney animators that did this uh amazing uh visually uh, uh, uh great looking uh, game and instead of uh your your typical joystick and buttons you have a single knob and the knob you uh, turn to left or right, and you make the character more passive, aggressive, in different situations. And it's a, it's meant to be a comedy game, and it's a little it's a little uh, crude in spots, but it's um, it's 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 awesome. So that was one where I I, I spent a, a few hours <laughs> and uh, was able to get through the end screen 
Um, it's actually um, surprisingly, uh, to me, surprisingly popular with uh, my, my daughter is uh, uh, 18 now. And uh, when her friends come over to play, they, they, they spend all their time playing that game. What an interesting con- control scheme you're describing. That that seems like a, a very unique game. Wow, interesting. It it didn't do well. It's a, it was a it was a prototype game, and so they had it in arcades for a while. But people couldn't. Uh, they 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 liked playing it, but it, it they weren't sure what to do. It it didn't make a lot of money, mm. <laughs> so people liked it, but it, it didn't suck up enough quarters for them to go into full production. So we were fortunate to get one of the. Uh, uh, the conversion kits, and so we've got it at our place. Wow! I like I like Amazing. that it, it sounds like they just built an entire arcade game around the conversation mechanic from Mass Effect. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a trip. <laughs> and so I know that you're an expert in arcade cabinets and these type <laughs> of games, and I, I I think you're giving away a secret, at least to me, that there are patterns to Pac-Man. So I always thought that it was just the ghosts were AI and they were tracking you and they would like see you from around a corner. I never really put too much thought into it. So the ghosts are just running on a loop? Um, yeah, each uh, ghost has a specific behavior. It's not quite AI because it's, oh. it's more programmed into a pattern. But back in the day, uh, before the interweb, uh, you would buy a book that says How to Win at Pac-Man. Wow. And uh, it would give you... Uh, uh, screenshots uh, with little arrows and it would tell you uh, patterns and uh, now Pac-Man itself I believe and someone might tell me I'm wrong but I, I don't believe the maze changes much uh, if at all in Pac-Man Miss Pac-Man the maze changes up pretty frequently so then there's different uh, patterns based on the maze based on the level um, but but yeah so once you once you figure that out you can go pretty far and uh, if you if you haven't um, uh, definitely check out the. Uh, gee, I don't even know how long this documentary is. Uh, how long ago it came out, but uh, uh, but King of Kong. Yeah, uh, I watched another it. Great yeah, example of, of you know once you figure out the the patterns in these older games, Donkey Kong in this example. Uh, but of course, the the star of that uh, Billy Mitchell was got the the first perfect score on Pac Man, and uh, you 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 do that by uh, getting every point, every 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 dot, every uh, power up. Um, and that's um, something you don't see too often. But I'm surprised uh, since that came out how many people have have uh, uh, completed perfect games, have uh, gotten to the to the end of uh, of Donkey Kong, uh, and it's it's pretty cool that people are still um, still trying, you know, still going that's back to the fascinating old and, and really going at it. Yeah, yeah. I, Evan, don't lie to me. Did you know that about the ghosts having a, like basically I did. attack patterns? I did. And... I think they actually talk oh, about so it in King of Kong. Me, Evan? So. Huh? Huh? Well, in the in this one no, actually, rare situation, as he was explaining it, as Pete was explaining, it, I did kind of recall, but it is still interesting. I seem to remember. I don't remember the the patterns. I remember thinking about the patterns with Donkey Kong. I remember that was a thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure a lot of those games. I mean, a lot of those games, they're they're very rudimentary mathematics behind the scenes so it's like once you can kind of figure out the algorithm the rest kind of falls into place so that i'm sure there's a lot of games that just have kind of a generic uh um a a pattern of some of some variety you know something memorizable uh and that i'm i'm no good at those kind of things and and i like i like tony's idea where they're actually ai like i there there's something very magical about that where it's just if you don't understand it it's just man it's just ai it's magic and I and I, I, I dig that mentality. I think more people should have that. <laughs> Early game design is fascinating, so that's great. It really is. 
and and some of the, so there's more and more documentaries coming out um, now about about those early days and kind of what went into there's there's so many stories about like tech tech history from like the mid 70s to the early 90s is fascinating because it sounds like it should be super geeky and it is but it's also like everyone at Atari was on coke you know it's like it's like there's 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 a weird seedy side to it that that is is fascinating to me um and and like i said there's more and more documentaries coming out about this and and they've all been interesting so there's something there, there's something there i think my i actually have the one time i actually beat a game was the first time that i was uh, uh slacking off at my job <laughs> uh, back 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 in high school and it's even it's even i wasn't even working at an arcade uh, I, back in high school, I was an aide at an after-school program. Uh, and so, you know, the kids would hang out for a few hours after school until their parents could come and pick them up, and we, we kept them entertained and, you know, gave them snacks and all that stuff. And they also had a summer program. And I was I did this work the summer program and, and all that. Did that all through high school. And one summer, one Thursday on a, in, in, in July... Uh, we went to the Mall of America, uh, right here in the Twin Cities area, and we went to Camp, what was then called Camp Snoopy. Now it's like Nickelodeon Universe or something like that. But at the time it was Camp Snoopy, so that should definitely age me. I was put in charge, like they broke up all the kids into groups of like seven or eight kids. And I ended up getting basically an entire cadre of third to fifth grade boys. Like that was just my group. And we kind of all looked at each other, and we're basically given free reign in in Camp Snoopy uh, to do whatever we wanted. And we kind of all looked at each other. It's like, let's go to the arcade. And that's where we spent the entire field trip was in the arcade. (laughs) And I I ended up playing from beginning to end uh, House of the Dead 2. Oh, yeah. Classic. Uh, (laughs) So so a light gun game. Uh, And there's something really... um, very very 90s about having a gaggle of uh what would that be nine to 12 year old boys cheering you on as you're shooting people in the face (laughs) it was it was uh it was a good time but that was that is the one and only arcade game i've ever finished was was that one and and i'm i'm not great so it, it probably took like 15 20 bucks uh to to finish that game uh so so i'm sure i'm sure it's much easier for people that are like don't suck but but for me that was like an achievement and 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 similar to what you were saying tony it's like i didn't i kind of forgot that game that arcade games have credits mm-hmm. like there is yeah. you know Surprising. what i mean you see it and you're like um, what? well that's totally worth it just to have the audience i uh well yeah tell my family i said my my favorite is uh, there's a scene from the last starfighter uh the movie where uh the the, the trailer park boy is playing uh the arcade game he's going for the record and and uh, the, 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 the neighbors scream, hey, Alex is going for the record. And the whole trailer park turns <laughs> up just to watch him play. And everyone's cheering. They don't understand what's going on, but they're cheering. I look at my wife. I say, why can't you? Play? <laughs> <laughs> and she says, yeah. It, right. it, arcades are a wonderful experience in that way to have people around you in the, in the fighting game when it's one-on-one and having people step up to the machine, you know, with the I got next and you know, leaving the quarter. <laughs> so you're reserving your spot there. There's this whole culture with arcade games that you really don't have with, you know, the, even a couch co-op experience yeah. in a home 
or online experience now these days with with multiplayer so oh those were the good old days there was a arcade in our local mall and i loved going there because all the interesting games that were there but yeah that atmosphere um with just all the machines humming and and making noise it was uh the only equivalent now these days is walking into a casino for me and it's all the machines making noise beckoning me to come and waste my money as an adult but yeah it's it's awesome well, it's funny you mentioned that, the, uh, the, the little things. Uh, so all of our games are set to free play, but not all games are designed with free play because, you know, if you're, if you're Bally Midway, you're not going to just assume that people aren't going to be putting quarters in your machine. So some of our games have to have a credit mm-hmm. button. And so there's this very clever little uh, button that we, uh, we, we found online, and it uh, looks like a quarter. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that we, we position it at the glass right above the control panel. So when someone sees it, they're like, oh, I get it. That's I got next. Evan, I'm sorry. Can we have um, Pete talk about his amazing businesses, <laughs> his, his passion? Let's talk about 2-Bit Game Room and Rent My Arcade. Which are which is is that the same thing or is this or is just someone rented your arcade long term and now it's just in one place? Um, yeah. So, uh, geez, now it's going on nine years this uh, this summer. Uh, my wife had the wonderful idea that I'd, I'd uh, collected so many uh, uh, video arcade games personally for myself. We had them sitting in garages, and she's like, "Hey, man, maybe you should just rent them out to someone mm-hmm. else." And I thought, "What a what what a great idea! <laughs> I could I could you mean I could." give someone a, a, one of my games they have it in their house they pay me money to store my game and then i can work on something else and collect another game and put it in the garage my wife was like, yeah yeah except for that except for that <laughs> last part but but yeah so we've been we've been renting out games uh, uh we've got monthly subscriptions we've got short-term rentals uh we've had a, a whole bunch of really fun and cool clients uh and so that's been great uh but a lot of our, our customers will, will sometimes they'll ask and they'll say hey can i can i try them out first and i'm like well they're in four garages spread out across wow. the city. Um, so um, this last year, um, just uh, just about a year ago, we opened up our two-bit game room. Um, and so that is a combination of uh, workshop and storage space, but mostly uh, it's, a, it's a classic arcade game. So all the games that aren't rented are, are laid out in this uh, large, geez, I think we've got about 7,000 square feet. Uh, between the front room and the back room, um, we've got uh, cool memorabilia and decorations and lights and uh, rock-a-fire explosion uh, characters, you know, from that uh, animatronic band from Showbiz Pizza Place. Uh, we've got console games set up with my original NES and Atari and uh, GameCube and Nintendo 64. We've got arcade-themed board games. Um, we've got a Virtual Boy set up for people to play. <laughs> Uh, we've got some shows playing in the back room, and so it's mostly just a it's a huge clubhouse, really. It's for people to, to come and hang out and, and have fun. It's like a big uh, big nostalgia zone. But uh, yeah, so we uh, we called it the two bit game room because we thought, well, we'd like to get people that you know might do a, a party or an event, and it just seems weird for you know if you're like planning a party, it's like we're going to rent my arcade. You know, that's like lame. Um, so we we called it the two bit game room because again, that's another little. Little inside joke from me, my you know my grandfather. All grandfathers used to what do they call quarters? They call them wow. you know, two bits. Two bits. Uh, so yeah. This is our, our Pete. I'm looking at images right now of two bit game room, and it looks fantastic. Um, you should be very proud of what you've built here. Um, all sorts of arcade games, a, a beautiful space. Again, I do see the the NES and the the virtual boy it's it's fantastic thanks yeah we even uh, i came across a uh, i think it's like an early 80s late 70s uh, magnavox television 
uh, it's a console TV, and it's like everyone that comes in. That's what my grandma <laughs> had. And so what we, um, um, I mean, what I, I, I did it deliberately, but it, but there's a there's a technical reason for it as well. So um, we've got Atari and NES playing on the Magnavox. We've got a '90s era Sony Trinitron. We've got that set up for the uh, the N64, and then I think I've got a flat screen for some of the higher res games like uh, GameCube, and and uh, I think I've got a PS3 there as well. Um, but yeah, the 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 the, the low res um, uh, games do really well on uh, on old mm. CRT TVs. Uh, they're they're designed that way. I came across a, a really interesting article that that talked specifically about that and how uh, old games that are being displayed on high res monitors don't look mm-hmm. as good. I mean, you can you can count the pixels. I mean, they're really jaggy. But the the old uh, designers, uh, you know, they planned. Uh, they did. They 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 planned on the blur factor as part of their design. So the uh, the anti-aliasing of the different pixels as they were at you know at at the low resolutions, uh, actually created more more color, more shape, more definition uh, to the characters. And uh, so by putting them and making basically the contrast so high that you can count the pixels, you'll lose a little bit of that that effect. And so it. Uh, the, the games actually look better on old Excellent. TVs. Well, and you're also games. seeing that you're also seeing that with these remasters of these classics, like eight and sixteen bit games. I remember um, one of the Final Fantasies, one of the Super Nintendo Final Fantasies. I don't remember which one uh, got a remake, and everyone was like, "God, the art's really terrible." And it was because they basically made it too clear, and and the the kind of the remastering part of it because they like didn't they didn't redraw they just kind of upresed what they had and it just wasn't designed sure. for that and and yeah and that makes total sense and, and again this kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning where when you have such limited resources uh, when it comes to processing power and graphical power and all of that you have to get really creative I remember like what I always find cool uh, is the music side of thing. And we've had music uh, like video game composers on the show before, um, but never kind of more modern ones, obviously they're not doing the classic ones, but like how do you make a compelling song when you have four Mm -hmm. instruments essentially? Uh, And, and, you know, the, the guys that, that made the music of, you know, the Nintendo era and, and, you know, the eighties and, and early nineties, some of them were absolute geniuses because they had nothing. <laughs> I mean, they're basically, you know, they're, they're banging on pots uh, essentially. And, and yeah. yet they're making some of the most memorable musical hooks ever. Yeah. We, um, uh, so I, I, we have an original Atari. I think it's a 7,800 only because then it plays more of the games. Uh, but I've got just a, a, a ton of old games, and most of them, I'm sorry, guys, most of them are, are awful. <laughs> They're just god-awful games. Uh, but there was a, a coffee table book that was developed a few years ago, and it's called The Art of Atari. And they've got uh, damn near all of the uh, box art from all the original Atari games. And it's fun just to see what they had to do to sell <laughs> these awful games and how how beautiful these box art was and the fantasy that they would create uh, uh, on the cover. And then when you actually get into it, it's it's just a couple boxes, <laughs> blocks moving around the screen. Um, but that said, um, you know, there are a handful of Atari games I, I, I really like. Uh, River Raid is one of my favorite. Mm, but then, of yeah. course, there's there's uh, Pitfall. And it's so, again, graphical given how the limitations. But I think one of the fun things, and you were talking about uh, uh, 
technical limitations, you gotta hit those pixels, right? So when you're when you're playing Pitfall, you gotta land on a specific pixel on top of the alligator, otherwise you're you're crunched. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, that's part of the challenge. And and uh, and the the older guests, oh, they they get that. The younger kids, uh, when they come in and they try out these games for the first time, they're they're pretty bad. I was gonna ask about that because because that's something that is fascinating to me, like as as now a parent of uh, now granted i just have a toddler so like everything is new to her but like i'm 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 very curious like what like little kids how they react to the old stuff i mean there's that cla- the classic uh, um, bit in i think it was back to the future 2 where it's like oh that's a baby's toy where you know he's playing with a light gun and it's like like how how do little kids react to these really old games or i don't mean necessarily say really old games like even even you know games from the 90s which no one can tell me isn't actually 10 years ago so don't don't try to convince me otherwise <laughs> right um, <laughs> um it's yeah it's uh well little kids treat games the way that little kids have always treated games which is why we discourage little kids from coming into our <laughs> so they they grab the joystick and they just go bananas and they don't know what they're doing uh, but i've had some amazing conversations with 10 11 12 year old kids that are like i played it all i played all the new stuff but i really mm. want to play these retro games and they just go on and on about all the different really old stuff that i'm stuff that i've never played because they're they're digging into those 401 1001 you know systems where they're able to to pull up emulators mm. with all these old games uh, I had my 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 nephews. Um, my nephews uh, are there in their early twenties, I guess, and uh, they came to the arcade and they played um, they played uh, Mario sixty four for the first time on an actual Nintendo sixty four system using the actual joystick, and they thought that was just the best because they played it. They, they've emulated it before, but it was nice to play it on the actual original hardware with the original joysticks and. That's one of the things that we, we watch for as people are sitting down to games. We walk over and we make sure they know how to hold the joystick correctly. The, the Nintendo 64 joystick, you have to hold it in the middle, not off to both ends. And, and uh, like, oh, yeah, wow. this is great. Amazing. So what is, what is the, the jewel of your collection? Like, what is, what is the one that you're most, like, and, and I'm talking for, like, the geeks, like, like the, the hardcore arcade collector geeks. Like, what is, what is, what is the show-off piece? Oh, boy. Um well like you say it depends on on the on on the the person the 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 biggest game uh the one that i like the most is we have a uh star wars battle pod it's uh from 2010. it's the uh the, the concave dome screen you sit in the 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 pod itself um the the screen wraps around you uh you know make you a little bit sick um the sound is all over the place it's it's just a really immersive experience it's a rail game i mean you you move the way you you don't have a whole lot of freedom of motion but it's just beautiful it's just a a really fun game to play but the 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 arcade geeks um you know they like the the older more obscure games uh and we've got a we've got several that are uh you know in the back room not quite on the floor yet uh, that uh, we, we we talk about. I've got a uh, Discs of Tron. For some reason, the, the Discs of Tron games are more popular than than the original Tron. Harder to find, um, higher higher value. Uh, but Discs of Tron was actually supposed to be part of the Tron package. Tron was actually a game of, of four different like mini games in one. And uh, uh, Discs of Tron kind of came out. They weren't quite ready uh, when when it was launched, and so Distrotron came out as its own stand-up. But it's a beautiful cabinet. It's got all sorts of great artwork. 
Um, it's got um, a, a really cool, uh, what do they call it, lenticular mar uh, marquee where you look at it and as you kind of move your head around, it, 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 it changes and, and kind of moves a little bit. Um, but that's probably one of our um, more, more desirable. You know, Amazing. Uh, I see games. the photo of that here. Um in two bit game room the the website that's that's amazing i also see the my crown jewel would be the marvel superheroes arcade cabinet which is a similar you know 2d fighter it also had um later on you had the marvel versus capcom games but this one and that whole genre of where the marvel games and the arcade cabinet style were just huge for me i would run to those so that's very impressive to me <laughs> yeah those are great and it was fun especially with the movies that came out most recently you know infinity war and stuff uh because in, in that game there are all the the power-ups you can get um and uh, you know you find the right infinity stones and that's kind of like a subplot of the game you're not just beating people up um we've got uh, a couple uh, mortal kombat and, and mortal kombat uh three and uh one of the nice things is we we've got these uh bezels um like the the frame that goes around the glass in front of the monitor nice. and we've got all the moves so you don't have to you don't have to try and remember all your stuff you don't have to look it up on your phone uh, it's just right there and it makes it a little bit a little bit easier i mean back in the day it was a it was a pain because you would just sit there and you would just watch other people and you'd stare at their fingers and you'd see what they were doing in order to make the moves and the fatalities and, and the friendships and all that kind of stuff and uh Excellent. this is this is much easier i'm always i'm always a fan of uh having the having the moves there because because again i can't remember i can't remember anything so it's always nice to just have that little bit but then at the same time like i i have such performance anxiety and i and i can tell you why is because i was i was duly shamed back in the the heyday of fighting games uh, in the arcades uh i was playing i was at an aladdin's castle so you know if people that lived in malls like many of us did in the 90s should be familiar with that one uh and killer instinct was it was like the new hotness it was going to be that was going to yeah. be that was that was the the street fighter killer it was going to be the thing and i was playing with this guy and this guy was was amazing like he was he was a he was a fantastic player but he was a, a mm. master shit talker uh and and so and i and i'm like 12 <laughs> No so mercy. so I'm, I'm taking everything seriously and no oh it was terrible it was terrible uh and and for people that don't remember the original killer instinct i don't remember if this made it when it made it to the consoles but in the in the arcades you could actually if you were good enough queue up combos so you could do combinations and it would it, you could actually do it faster than it could animate so it would actually play through the whole thing he set up this thing that was like 45 seconds of me just getting my ass kicked. And he actually took like a good three foot step Damn. back from the the arcade <laughs> machine while I was being <laughs> mollywopped uh, uh, in front of in front of a crowd of people. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, my God. It, it, and it just it broke me. And and but one of the one of the the uh, the cores of his of his shit talking was he would point out that there were everyone's combos were printed on the board in front of me. And so, so I have been, I, I have been traumatized uh, by that now. Cause now I feel like I have to, I have to know these now. And so there's, it's, it's so, it's This not, explains a lot about it's, it's your not, life and kind of how everything's been going. It does. It, it, it's all 
back to the, that puddle yeah. of tears you were standing in in front of that arcade cabinet. I'm so sorry. That core memory of you being tortured yeah. by this guy. It's all right. Ouch. It's all right. I tell you, have you guys ever seen the, uh, the Starcade television mm-hmm. show? Um, it was back in the 80s. It was a, uh, a, a video game uh, uh, game show. And it was it was amazing. I've seen it. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Uh, There's episodes on YouTube. But the most important thing, the 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 coolest thing about them, is that it's a it's a it's a typical '80s game show where you've got the host, you've got two different players. They answer trivia questions, and then the one that answers the trivia question correctly gets to have you know three minutes on an arcade game to try and get high score. And then the next person comes behind them, and they try to get high score, and whoever wins gets points. And then in the end they uh, play off for an actual full-size cabinet. So, you know, at the time, a couple, a couple thousand dollars, and, and each episode was a different cabinet. The best part, honestly, the best part, and this really speaks a lot to arcade culture back in the 70s, uh, 80s, you would have a, a 30-year-old man and, honest to God, a 12-year-old little girl. And you would think that, well, like you just said, the, the old guy, he's going to have more experience, and he's going to know games are new. No one knows about games. No one knows about arcade games. Uh, arcade games weren't gendered yet. Um, mm-hmm. they, the old, the young, everyone was a novice. And um, uh, uh, you would see uh, back in these retro uh, ads or, 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 or photos of people playing, the people would be standing outside of Sears. And uh, you know, <laughs> men and women, or, or, or Kmart, in the front of Kmart. And everyone, men in suits, everyone would just be playing Centipede or, or, or whatever game was there. And so these old these old Starcade TV shows really kind of sh- op- show you what it was like, uh, kind of open up a, a window into into what it was like back then, where it wasn't, uh, you know, as you were saying, the the the, the young know it all kids that have experienced all these high res games and they know all that the the shoot. Everyone was a novice, and it was just it's just fun to watch. Amazing observation here, and I am seeing. Uh, starcade.tv you can see all the people who are contestants and it's just like you're saying you know young and old and just everyone uh, a mix that's super interesting there was a version in one of the Nickelodeon shows that was released later it was similar where it was, yeah, it was a Nick combination arcade. of like obstacle course and then they would throw you into a arcade game to see who would get the highest score in the two minutes that they had you play or whatever it was. And I love that show and I love that aspect of it. And um, it just seemed like an interesting premise. And this even more so with the age gap and the just the huge mix of people, you know, gaming was for everyone. And, you know, people took to it and it captured imaginations across the board. And that's that's pretty amazing. So, yeah, it's a great source for me to to look and say oh wait i don't have that one because <laughs> <And then laughs> they've got games that i've never seen and and uh, uh it's fun to, <laughs> to go back and see because a lot of these games you know if it wasn't super popular they didn't last mm-hmm. i mean if you can imagine like uh, the uh, the atari games and how many there were it's because developers are just throwing stuff against the wall mm-hmm. and so arcade games were similar where you would get a, a short run of a, of a certain game and it might not be popular and it might go away well today when you get weirdo collectors like me we want those obscure games, um, you know. The, even some of the uh, the off games, uh, you know, like Donkey Kong was popular, and so it had clones. It had uh, Crazy Kong, and uh, you know that kind of stuff. And so you, they were they were the kind of things you'd find at like a, a state fair or something like that. 
Um, but now it's like, hey, that's that's kind of cool. It's different. It's not something you see all the time. Excellent. So what? What? Okay, we we talked about what the jewel of your collection is. What's the white whale? Like, what? What is the thing that you that you would do horrific things to acquire? <laughs> oh man, I don't even know anymore. Um, I've been doing this for twenty years, um, and so I think what's fun is um, so uh, when I when I collect games, you 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 if you see something, you get it. You get it right away because you'll never see it again or it'll disappear or, or any, an opportunity to get a game will, 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 will vanish. And so, um, I've got some, some games in storage garages and they're not, you know, ready to go yet, but I've, I was in one of my garages the other day and it was like walking into someone else's warehouse. You walk in and you go, wow, I, I didn't know I had that. And I forgot about that. And so I've got a couple cubits that I want to get up on the floor. I've got an '80s uh, ski ball machine that uh, uh, that I really want to get going. Wow, I um, love ski ball. Uh, I've got a s- late '70s, early '80s um, uh, whack-a-mole uh, from Bob's Space Racers. Um, it's uh, I think it came out of a showbiz pizza because it's got one of those uh, showbiz style signs on it. So it's a two-player, uh, you know, classic whack-a-mole. Um, uh, yeah, it's just it's 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 fun just to kind of <laughs> browse your own stuff and, and, uh, you know, trying to prioritize off. Oh, what am I going to work on next? I think that's, what's exciting for me is, is trying to figure out what the next game is that I'm going to restore and, and put on the floor. Can I ask why you decided to start collecting or did it just kind of happen? I have a buddy of mine who owns, uh, just offhand, I would say he owns about eight cabinets or so. And, it just turned into a collection. I believe, I don't think one day he decided that, you know what, I'm going to start, being a serious collector, um, did you fall in love with arcade style and then it just kind of took off from there? Or one day did you say, you know what, I'm going to start doing this and get into it heavy, like right off the bat? I think I was always into collecting. So I was into comic books when I was uh, mm. younger and I, I collected comic books. And then you start looking for books that have a certain value and you, you know, so you start to get into that. But when I got into arcade games, you you got to get what you like, right? Mm-hmm. You got to start with, you know, don't collect something just because someone else might like it. And so all the games I have a personal relationship with, uh, I remember playing that, or this was one of my favorites, or I remember in this location. So it's all, you know, it's, it's, it's about the nostalgia of the, of the machines. But and then as I got, as I got into them, I started, you know, basically you start by cleaning them. You, you take them apart a little bit. You make sure that they're looking okay. You're not repairing anything. You're just kind of cleaning it up and making it a little bit nicer. Uh, you start to see things that are kind of interesting. You see that all the Nintendo cabinets are are a lot alike, and you see that some of the Atari system, you know, one cabinets they're they're alike. And then you start learning more about the wiring, and you start learning about how the power works, and you learn. And so you just kind of fall into it. And then all of a sudden, you got a friend that's in the arcade community he says, "Hey, you want to come with me and pick up some games?" And you say, "Sure." So <laughs> all of a sudden, you got more than you can handle. Um, but it's, I think. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I think, you know, when I was a kid, um, uh, the best thing was to have your friends over to play games, right? So you'd have a buddy, you'd have a sleepover, you'd play uh, Nintendo all night. I remember playing Super Mario Brothers 2. We rented it from a store. It took a while to find it because it was a brand new game and you could rent it. And then you'd play it all night. And that was a blast. And so when I uh, became an adult, I would set up my, my man cave. I would have a home theater system and I would have... But my friend, you know, he had a wife and kid, and he never came over. So, but in my mind, I was setting up this space for for us to come hang out in. 
And so the best part is now that I've been collecting these games all along, now I've got a space where people can come over and hang out mm. and I get to watch them play my games. And that's a lot of fun. That's fantastic. So such a, a heartwarming thing that you can do to gaming is such a shared um, experience or it can be when it's at its best. So that's that's fantastic. My mom loves Centipede, which is like the trackball controller. Um, and if she ever saw a cabinet, she would run to it and she'd pull us over and we'd be fascinated because I've always been into gaming, but she particularly likes that game, um, which is awesome. We just got a one of those modern iterations of the the Miss Pac-Man cabinets from my sister a couple years back. Do you shun those like uh, cabinets that are not hacked? Because I guess some of them are somewhat official, but where you can play any like a hundred games and they're like pre-installed and all of that. Do you look down on that sort of thing? Is that like a, against your a purist motto of some type that you hold to? Um, sort of, I mean, um, I, well, it's, it's gaming is good, right? So for finding something that people like and they want to do, um, is great. And not everyone can, you know, buy an arcade and fill it up with a bunch of cabinets. And so having multi games makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, what I, I think what I object to is, is when people take those multi games and they, and they try to sell them at a price mm-hmm. uh, that's equal to the original. You know what I mean? It's not like you're going to take a classic car, uh, a classic Mustang, and you're going to put it up against a, a, a Prius or something. You know, you, you, it's yeah, they both do the same thing. They get you around. They, you know, but it, it's different. You know, and so uh, you know, in, in, enjoy your games. Uh, you know, get what you like. Get as you know, have fun with it. But you know, just. Just, just know it's it's not the original. It's not the same as the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing Miss Pac-Man on the original cabinet is definitely different. The controls are different. The monitors different. The look of, of of the game is different. I tell you, my, one of my favorite games is Space Invaders. Stupid Space Invaders. That's on been ported to every platform mm-hmm. that I remember playing on my Texas Instruments TI-85 or whatever it was. Uh, you know, it's it's been around forever, but it it is singularly unique in a arcade cabinet it has uh to start with it has a hologram effect which means the monitor is mounted on the bottom of the cabinet yes. and flex up against a mirror it's got a black light in the back with a moonscape so all the, the the aliens are floating in this blackness above the moon and it's got a crazy base so as you're getting closer and closer to the bottom games are getting faster and you just have this bump 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 and it's just you feel it and so uh, it's 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 a black and white game, and what they did was they put a colored gel, like a colored piece of plastic, across the monitor to add color Whoa. to the top and the bottom of it. But what they did was they said, "Look, we've got this low technology, this this basically this simple game, but they tried harder to make this cabinet more fun. I mean, so they they put a lot of effort. So a lot of the early black and white games tried harder in the way that they were designing their cabinets and the way they were designing their experience. A lot of the '90s games." Are in generic cabinets. <laughs> it's you know you got six buttons and a joystick and you you fight and you punch. Uh, but the older games, those are those are really cool. They were usually uh, stenciled artwork, so they were hand painted, uh, you know, uh, uh, spray painted uh, uh, cabinets. Um, they uh, they put a lot of extra work in those. I love the six joystick multiplayer games. So like X Men had the version where 
it was I think it was a double screen is how they uh, achieved the very wide uh, screen layout um, and you could have up to six people you know in that beat em up basically uh, game and I was fascinated by the, such a thing when I was younger and you know widescreen wasn't even a I mean it would be years until widescreen was adopted in um, you know, as we have it now and now super ultra wide, but it was fascinating to me, the X-Men cabinet for that reason. One of those more unique ones, um, you could say very creative. Yeah. The six player, the six player, uh, X-Men cabinet was, was insane. It was huge. It had two 25 inch monitors. One was facing the, the player. And again, another one was, uh, mounted on the bottom and was reflected up with the screen. So one monitor was playing straight and the other one was playing reversed and then the text job was to sync them up as close as possible to try to create that illusion of a, of a widescreen effect and if i remember a lot of them where you would see one it was like grossly different colors from oh one side to the other. wow one monitor was, was, one monitor was faded um but the the cabinet itself the front part of that cabinet where all the controls are for all six players that cabinet is huge yes. You can you can sleep in it. It's it's basically just an empty box attached to the back, and and it's tons of room. I was privileged to own one. Geez, maybe for six months before I thought, gee, I just don't have the space. I should get rid of this. And uh, man, I'm regretting that every day. That was that was one of my favorite games. The six. Wow. Games. Well, thank you for explaining to me how it worked. I was just a dumb kid and gawking at it, and just like it, it was. I'll, I'll always remember like that the shock and the awe that I had looking at that cabinet. Wow. It took me forever, but I finally um, realized. So that game wasn't. It looks like it's Jim Lee based uh, comic art, but it's actually based on the the Pride of the X Men, uh, which was a one off pilot movie um, that never became a series. But all of those characters, including Dazzler and including that version of Nightcrawler, um, that cabinet that game was designed based on that one that one episode that one i guess it was a hour and a half long uh mini movie wow i didn't know that existed and now i'm looking it up and wow you're right it, they based it off of this pride of the x-men 1992 wow insane yeah that was before the x-men animated series on fox yeah this is this whole show is just tony learning things that's really all it is I, I'm brand new. Treat me like I'm brand new. Okay, explain it to me like I'm bad. This is great because because my wife and they, my kids they don't want to talk about this. So I'm like, did you know? They're like, yeah, okay. I joined Mega Dads because my wife was sick of me. I was like talking to her about games all the time, and she's just like, I can't do this anymore. So we found found like minded uh, individuals who just still love gaming and talking about it and. That's why me and Evan get on and try to talk with people as much as we can about this stuff because it really is a joy and and just bringing back all these memories that you're you know talking about like the arcade days is just great. I miss. I really want to go to an arcade now. They still have them. There's barcades in uh, in Chicago where I am, um, but mm-hmm. to experience it like it was before, I don't know if it'll ever go back to the way it was. I'm glad that you have your right. well, in, space, which is great. Well, in Chicago, you're you're privileged. You've got uh, Galloping Ghost. I don't know if I've the, been to that one. I don't think so. The, oh, that's the the largest largest arcade is in the country. Um, uh, the largest number of the largest number of games for sure. 
and it's 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 amazing. It's a mecca. A lot of people travel just to to, to visit Galloping Ghost. I think it's in one now of the Now I know suburbs. where I'm going next. You'll have to you'll have to report back. I, I, we're, we're we're approaching the end of the show, and I didn't want to end the show without talking about this. Now now I give Peter a lot of credit. Uh, he gave me probably the most comprehensive brief mm-hmm. that any guest has ever sent me. Uh, before when we we're planning this show, he's like, "Here's here's basically everything I can talk about," and he just kind of blasted this big old big old text file at me, and it was great. I I, I always like it when when guests are are interested in the show and and put in that work. Uh, but there's 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 one little bit that that jumped out at me, and it's actually come up a couple times in the show already, uh, and that is your love affair with the rock of fire explosion yes uh and as as a fan of terrifying kitsch i'm also a fan of the rock of fire explosion and if you don't know what that was that was it not it was showbiz pizza was was but if 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 you didn't have a showbiz i know we had circus pizza here in the twin cities area and i think there were other variants of that but it was all kind of the same company if i remember right i saw a documentary on this like 10 years ago and and so I used to know more, but you know, the the, the brain doesn't yeah. fire as well as it used to. Yeah, that was a great documentary, and actually, uh, uh, John Oliver just had a show. Um, uh, if you look up uh, last last cheese tonight, um, and he uh, spent about a half an hour, forty minutes talking about Chuck E. Cheese and the history behind Chuck E. Cheese, and a lot of the information he pulled was from the Showbiz Pizza website. Um, which is a, a fan site uh, dedicated to the uh, to the restaurant chain, um, but you know I uh, I remember seeing the the rock of fire explosion at our local circus pizza in Minnesota, and um, I thought that was cool. And of course, you know they've got the the three three stage show, um, and you look behind the curtain and you swear that the the animatronics move, you know, when you're not looking, which mm-hmm. is uh, you know undoubtedly the, the the foundation for Five Nights at Freddy's. And uh, all those series of, of jump scare games, um, and I tell you though, the, the the story behind it is 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 amazing, and sad, <laughs> and and weird. Uh, but yeah, basically the uh, the idea was that uh, Nolan Bushnell, the the founder of Atari, wanted to to uh, uh, open up an entertainment uh, venue, basically to feature his his arcade games, and he contracted uh, with. Um, uh, with a guy in Orlando, Florida, uh, Aaron Fector, to uh, to create a, a stage show, and, and Aaron had done that, and uh, uh, Aaron's show was was great. So he had three stages: a center stage, two side stages, uh, different characters. All of them were uh, you know pneumatic, meaning they were all running off of air compressors. Uh, Aaron and his uh, team uh, created uh, the content. Uh, they did the singing. They did the music for them. Um, they were all programmed very crazy rudimentary. Uh, every character had, I don't know, five, ten different uh, types of animation. Their ears, their eyes, their their head, their arms. And each one was recorded onto tape uh, using a very rudimentary push-button system. So, you know, you push the button, eyes go up, you release the button, the eyes go down. And you do that over and over and over again for each character, for each, you know, device. It was just crazy. Um, but then, um, you know, over time, uh, uh, Showbiz Pizza, uh, the main venue for, for these uh, characters, went out of business. They got merged with, with Chuck E. Cheese. And um, 
Aaron decided that he didn't want to sell. He didn't want to sell his intellectual property to Chuck E. Cheese, so he kept them. And Noah Bushnell and Chuck E. Cheese said thanks, and they went along their own way. And so in Orlando, Florida, today, uh, there's a man who has this great warehouse um, that was once uh, the place where they produced these uh, these animatronics, full of melting <laughs> melting plastic and rubber and and half formed animatronics and metal robots uh, in a creepy <laughs> creepy warehouse and he still gives tours if you want to visit you can go down there and, and pay to, to take a look at this but it's it's nightmare fuel man it's <laughs> it's creepy so I, I didn't realize that this um, existed just a, um, so thank you um, for the nightmares I'm looking at the images now so <laughs> if you want to watch the docu- documentary uh, it's called the rock dash a fire explosion and it says a cult fan favorite documentary that explores the rise and fall of showbiz pizza palace it's animatronic rock band and the origins of chuck e cheese and it's pretty highly rated um very interesting so as soon as i saw the image i got flashbacks of chuck e cheese and some nightmares so thank you this is um fascinating um it's such a cult following for this animatronic band that there is a very popular spotify playlist um with with the full discography and there's a number of fan sites and uh merch and fuzzies and all sorts of weird stuff around this thing so this is wild so the whole point was to put the arcade cabinet somewhere so they had to make a a pizza slash you know entertainment venue then is that right yeah that was that was that was nolan's idea and uh it's it's a great idea and so people just kind of kind of ran with that but yeah the rock of fire they had albums i mean they've got uh 45s and a, a long playing record that they would sell uh, a few years ago there was a guy in kansas city that uh wanted to create a rock of fire themed bar I'd go. Uh, and so he worked with uh, with uh, aaron to uh to create that and um it was it was amazing because he he worked with Aaron to create uh, a brand new characters, uh, fully functioning. Ro- it's been forty years, so fully functioning robots, new skins, new rubber masks, all that sort of thing. Had the only brand new uh, band uh, in existence. Everyone else that was you know out there kind of restoring stuff on their own, and then he lasted about eleven months, <laughs> and he called it quits. Nobody went. Uh, decided or what he wanted was the to go. Problem? Um, well, it's, it's, he, he, he told me that, you know, things were, were, were tough working with Aaron, oh. but also he just wanted to move into a new direction. But was the, the worst part was that he, he literally broke up the band. He, he mm. sold the pieces individually. No. Um, and at the time my, my wife said, no, you cannot. Oh, you wanted to get <laughs> You cannot. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So I got his, uh, I got his sign. So it's the, the, the flashing rock of fire, uh, uh, band sign and, uh, comes on a big pole and. Is supposed to be controlled, and apparently you can connect it to an Arduino and, and get it to, uh, to to flash like it like it used to. But yeah, we've got several pieces of memorabilia around the shop. We've got some of the the banners um, that that used to hang above the stages. We've actually got a mask of, of Billy Bob, um, the uh, one of the one of the animatronic bears sitting in a corner in a very creepy spot. We recently purchased some eyes and eyelids. So oh my god! Have it wink at you when you walk by. The the animatronic <laughs> uh, characters, for those who aren't familiar, um, range from what I believe is a mouse, a couple bears, gorilla, um, 
some polar bear, I guess, type thing, and and they're they're on percussion, they're on the keys. That gorilla on the keys in particular looks um, looks very stylish. Um, there's a, I guess it's a mouse in a um, cheerleader costume, costume. and I, I, it looks the most like what would be Mr. Chuck E. Uh, cheese. Um, I guess that's the 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 initial beginnings of his design. Interesting. Very interesting. Fright, frightening. Yeah, so it's fun. So you can see all sorts of creepy stuff at her. Oh, there's game. a bird. Hmm. There's a bird in a in a oil barrel <laughs> because it was kind of set up to be like a hillbilly Billy Bob, and he's got a a loony bird in an oil barrel, and he had some kind of uh, gas pump, and it was uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, I I don't want people to be confused. Um, Antonio was born previous to a week ago. Yes. I mean, c- come on. Who knew? It's just, it, seem, it, seem, it's, it seems. It seems. It seems. It seems like all these. Is like everything me? is. I mean. I, okay. It, well, it's so just. It's. It's. it's like I said. It's. It, everyone knows. About it's adorable. Okay. I'm just. I'm just saying. It's adorable. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so it's. 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 It is what it is. Now I, I do have a question. As a rock of fire explosion fan, what is your feelings about the Five Nights at Freddy's fandom? And, and that pheno- that whole phenomenon, like, is it, is it something that you kind of roll your eyes at or is it something that you uh, you you look at positively as a way to kind of reinvigorate interest in this? Like, how, how does that and are you going to go check out the Five Nights at Freddy's uh, physical location or the Freddy oh, Fazbear's location? That sounds that's amazing. No, I, I love it, I think, because. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's was, in my, in my opinion, I don't know for sure, but I, I get the sense that that they, like me, um, were freaked out by these by these by these characters, and um, knowing the true story of where these characters are today, in hot Orlando, literally melting, uh, perfectly reasonable to think that the the premise of, of Freddy's um, would be real, um, and I, I love that there were what four or five different versions of this, that there are these crazy. Uh, uh, unrelated but but similar movie spinoffs uh one of them had nicholas cage in there fighting <laughs> animatronics mm-hmm. whack yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. another, another one was called billy bob's one billy bob's wonderland um uh, also similar you know fighting robot I, I think it's you know for for people you know my age our age um uh, it, it hits the nostalgia and it hits the the, the, the yeah that, that that's what would happen um so it's no i, I love them i think they're great Awesome. And it's, yeah. it's great because my, my kids were into, into Freddy's too. And so that we were able to talk about that. And they're like, oh, this is great. This is jump scares. And I'm like, well, let me tell you about the scare. Me, <laughs> I put my head, I swear to God, they moved. They, they really. <laughs> oh, and that was the best part. So when I went to, uh, when I went to pick up uh, the games from this place, I took my kid with me. And so we saw the characters uh, sitting in a warehouse. <laughs> I got a picture of him, my 10 year old boy standing next to this creepy ass robot. And so I'm like, this is the wow. best. <laughs> I mean, why else have kids if not to traumatize them in, in unique ways? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's Road kind of... With dad are fun. I bet. I bet. Well, Pete, it's been so fun to talk to you. We haven't even gotten... We haven't even talked about the games we've been playing, but that's fine because I've played F-All <laughs> this month. I don't know what the deal is. I just haven't gotten around to it. 
Um, and and I, I'm guessing and uh, Tony has got the same situation. Oh, so, I played so we'll skip that. We but talk about it next time. Okay, we'll we'll have you on next time, and uh, we'll talk about it. I'm hoping to actually play something next month. But like the one game I was really playing, Midnight Suns, I kind of put that on hold uh, until the last DLC comes out. So I'm like, oh, I'm yes. just gonna wait because I kind of hit like the the third act of that story. So it's like I don't want to end the game and then have to go back into it. And so I'm like, I'm just gonna put it on hold for right now. I'll set it aside, wait for the DLC to sh- to finish off, and and we'll be good. But yeah, so I, I haven't done anything. I've been I've been messing around with Incarnate, which is a a Dungeons and Dragons map generator. Uh, so that that should tell you where my mind's at right I now. I have to I have to tell you, okay. Spoiler alert: I have played the construction and management simulation game RimWorld on your recommendation, and I'll tell you about it next time. Oh boy, yes, we will. Yeah, that's a tease. But now now you're contractually required to come on next month. I can't wait. Just letting you know. I mean, that's legally binding. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> So, so we'll have to, we'll, we'll, we'll chat, we'll chat about that later because right now I want to talk about how awesome Pete is. Uh, and if you are, if you're in the Twin Cities area, it's a two bit game room is uh, something to look up. It's in St. Paul, right? Yep. In St. Paul, right by the Capitol off of Rice University. Um, so has, uh, and this is very narrow casting, but has Governor Walls made an appearance yet? He has not. He has not. Legislature stopped by, but. Uh, we are open by appointment, so they oh, come okay. by and seen the gate. But that's why we ask people to, to give us a call or visit the website first, and then we we open the doors and let you come in and, and play. Okay, okay, excellent. Well, Governor Walls, get get on that, please. <laughs> it's not like you got anything else going on. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. This has been um, this has been really Thank fun. Thank you for coming. Yeah, are you on social it. medias? Like 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 what? Pimp the website. Talk about ways people outside the Twin Cities can check out your stuff. Absolutely. Um, we are uh, on the interwebs at 2bitgameroom.com and uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, we have a arcade cat for people who like cats, and he took over our Instagram page. There's lots of uh, fun pictures of this, this little dude that hangs around the arcade all day. Excellent. I do and see who, some photos. Who doesn't love of cats? Cat. Love it. Actually, me. I don't, I don't love cats. That's me. You have Sorry. like 12 I'm the guy. Cats. I'm the one guy. I only have three, and that's only because they outvote me. <laughs> if it was up to me, they would, it would, it would be, it, it would be like the scene in Oliver, uh, and by that I mean the, the cat, the animated Oliver movie. Never saw it. It's okay. We have these things called movies now, so <laughs> you know you you'd be able to to view them. They're moving pictures, uh, often with sound. And uh, they're they're kind of a thing now, so you know, you know, feel free to check that out before you come back on. No problem. I just I I don't know. I, that was I, that, I felt bad saying that now. I feel I you can't be you can't be mean to Tony. That's one of the rules. You can't Megadads. hurt me. You can't hurt Is, me. Okay, I'm too. My can't. skin's too thick. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you guys all for listening, and keep checking out megadads.org. And we've got some cool stuff coming up. I think is the bowling league going. It, and if not, I can edit that part it out. Is ha- it is happening. Just stay tuned, okay? Stay tuned. Check out the Discord, uh, which you can also find. Just go to megadads.org. You can find all of the articles and videos and the Discord and all sorts of fun stuff. And and as well as the links to all the things we talked about on this show. So thank you, as always, for listening. And on behalf of 
Hypecaster, a.k.a. Tony and Pete. Thank you again. Megadad's Checkpoint is powered by Pants and part of Megadads.org, where free play is always enabled. There's a bird.